Hey, Politic here. Feeling sad? Down? Sorry for yourself? Lacking self-confidence? Trouble with the ladies? Looks like you need some... fortitude? But skip those bullshit dick pills and herbal remedies. Listen to The Outcasters instead. Recorded weekly and found right here on Strapcast. That's The Outcasters. It might not make your dick bigger, but it's sure to make you a bigger dick. What up, y'all? It's JJ from 3 and Out. Are you tired of all the bullshit of all those other sports shows? I mean, all they ever do is give you the sugar-coated candy bullshit of sports. Come listen to us. We'll give you the real sports. We'll give it to you live and uncut, uncensored, fully full in your face, just as it is. Sports, true sports, how they are, how they're meant to be heard, and how they're always should be heard. Hey, this is C-Core from V103's Distorted Nation. Are you tired of hearing all the same 98 and a half songs on your local radio station? Then tune in every Wednesday night, 6 to 9, Pacific Standard Time, for today's rock and everything that's topping the charts. Hydra. There. That better? I, I guess. I took it from you. I stole it from you. Rude. Anyways, <laughs> once again, we're out on your front or back patio. I don't know what this Side is. Side patio. But yes. I don't know. I love I love the, the ambiance of all the fire and candles and like tiki torches seance. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're doing a seance. Everyone hold hands. A seance podcast. Yeah. Everyone right. hold hands. To the radio. Hey, as, as I told the last band that came out here, don't be afraid when her dad comes home. He only digs wells for a living. <laughs> <laughs> And as always, from now on, we have Leo hanging from the mic. Oh, uh, yeah. We started this thing where Leonardo's hanging from the mic cable as a show mascot. Yes. And his hands are perfectly fit for that mic cable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. We won't go. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a conversation for the last okay. show. Anyways. But we're chilling here with Snow White Smile. Everyone want to introduce themselves? Hello. I'm David. I'm Kyle. What's up, guys? I'm Zach. And what do you all play? Um, I or, sing yeah. and currently play guitar also. Um, I play bass. I play percussion. 
fancy <laughs> fancy words. He's too good to play drums, so he plays percussion. Yeah. <laughs> I actually played percussion in like fourth, fifth, and I think sixth grade. Rhythm is all it takes. Oh yeah. That's where I started in band and yeah, I think fourth grade also. Yeah, band. I was the Were you cymbals or were you snare drum? Hmm? Were you cymbals or were you snare drum? Snare. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, so you guys want to give us, like, a little brief history of your band? Like, how you guys all started? Sure. Um, so I had just gotten out of another band, and uh, there was a lot of material I, con- I had contributed to an album that we didn't finish. So I had all these great songs, and I was like, well, what am I going to do with them? Well, I guess I'll start another band. Um, I'd fronted other projects, but it had been a while before I'd actually started <coughs> my own band. Um <clears throat> And I had been in contact with uh, Stephanie um, and asked her if she wanted to play guitar and knew Zach was, was drumming and pretty much asked him to come on board. And then same thing with Kyle, who I knew played bass. So just kind of brought them all together and we uh, finished up the material I had and put on an album and thus became Snow White Smile. So have you guys been around for like a year, right? I'd say about a year and a half. Yeah, January yeah. of last year we started, something like that. Yeah. Because really got together in a... That one fateful day in your garage and started finally <laughs> putting crap yeah. together. Yep. Um, yeah, it started off as uh, I didn't want to do any shows until we had completed the album. Um, and then, of course, that really never can happen because we were about halfway done with the album. And uh, my friend Celia, who's now our uh, promotions and booker, uh, she asked us, like, hey, I've got a show and I need bands. What do you guys play? So we, we played the we show. We kind of felt the itch and just decided. <laughs> yeah, so we, we played the show. Um, but then shortly afterwards, we were able to finally finish up the album. Oh, well, um, we had one more show. Oh, yeah, and then we had a show after that, too, that we could not pass up was Orgy came through town. And I love Orgy and grew up on Orgy in high yeah. school and everything. So, you know, we had we got to open for them at the Assembly in Sacramento. That was great. That was That's a fun cool. just kind of last-minute show. I think we had a week's notice. Yes. Yeah. About a week's notice, they were like, Someone had hey, dropped we need out. one more band, and can you guys do it? Yeah, of course yes. we can do it. <laughs> yeah. So to prepare for a show, do you guys, like, have a few practices before to, like, concrete your set or whatever? Or do you, like, I'd say you... it kind of changes depending on what the show is. I mean, definitely, like, early on, you know, say last year when we started playing shows, we were practicing three, four times a week real hard, running through the set list every single day. But, you know, if we were to play a show, say, now – you know, we're pretty familiar with the material that we have, yeah. so we can kind of play through those sets and, you know, get locked into place. But that also gives you that time to be, you know, a little bit more liberal with it and have a little bit more fun with how you're going to play it this particular time or, you know, whatever you want to say. Do you ever change up, like, your lyrics or how you do certain things for live shows than you do recorded? Uh, lyrically, yeah, only because sometimes I forget the words. So I start singing <laughs> verses to other songs in the middle of other songs because as long as I can get the cadence correctly, it, and hey, it'll why flow. Not? Yeah, exactly. So sometimes I'll sing the same part twice, but and yeah. then and then the audience feels like they're special because no one else got to see that. Exactly <laughs> that, and I feel we're still pretty new to where nobody's familiar, and I don't see anybody singing along with us when we play shows. So I'm like, ah, they're not even gonna notice. But you know, as long as the heart's there, I think that's what counts. Definitely. <laughs> so did you? Were you frontman in your last band too, or I was not. Um, I was in a band called Savior that was based out of Sacramento. Um, the band uh, band kind of disbanded, and the frontman uh, Adam Jones took it to L.A. and so he still runs with the band down there. Um, but yeah, I was I was the drummer. Uh, started off as actually the keyboardist in that band, and then the keyboardist and the bass player, and then the drummer. Um, and then yeah, so that was the project actually that I was in that 
when I left had a lot of material that I wrote for that band that kind of when I brought Zach and Kyle and Stephanie on board we kind of retooled it and they added their contributions to everything and there we got the first Snow White Smile album that's always fun Mm -hmm. so speaking of albums yes I saw on your Facebook about the teaser for your uh, remakes album. When does that come out again? So that came out today. Um, September 8th. Yeah. Is yeah. today the 8th? Okay. So, yes. yeah, it came out today, <laughs> September 8th. SnowWhiteSmileBandCamp.com. Depending on when this goes up. <laughs> Depending on when this goes up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's on our Facebook page. You can get a link to it. It's on our Bandcamp page is where it's actually officially released. Um, but we have a website, SnowWhiteSmileBand.com. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of remixes. Um, I've been doing remixes as long as I've been doing music as well. So as soon as our album was done, I was like, great, now we can do a remix album. I'm excited for that. <laughs> so I just kind of tapped some people that I knew to do remixes and did one myself and um, was aiming to get every song on the album to have a remix of it. So it was like kind of a flip side of the album. It was like, here it is, all those songs, but now remixed. Um, but some people took longer than I wanted and everything, so I only had five tracks. Um, but still, it's fantastic work, and I love all the tracks that are on there, and I think it's great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so, what else? You guys have any shows coming up? Um, not officially booked at the moment. We have a few kind of that were pending. Um, okay. Nothing that we could really say is for certain. Nothing certain yet. Yeah. Well, then let me talk to you after the show. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) See if there's a date you want. Sure. That'd be good. So, if you guys could pick five other bands to put on a bill with you, any five, and who would it be and what venue would you play at? Oh, man. Wow. Like our dream show? (laughs) Are we the headliner or are we just opening for a bigger headliner? You're you're playing wherever you want. Yeah, you're playing wherever you want with whoever. Yeah. (laughs) All so right. as a band or individually? <laughs> we're well, probably going to have all completely yeah. different. Yeah, but I, I think, think that's one of the funnest things about this whole project is we all kind of – we have different idols that we look up to, whether they're from different genres or different time periods. It all has kind of amalgamated into what is Snow White Smile. Well, let's go with that. What are your idols? Like, who who inspired each of you? Each of us? Um, well, for me, uh, I would say – I heavily got into trying to play as many things and do as much as I could on my own, thanks to uh, Span Circle of Dust, based out of the 90s industrial act. Um, the guy, his name's Scott Albert, but he goes by Clayton. He does a band now called Cell Dweller. Um, but yeah, once I heard that Circle of Dust was just one band, I was like, holy crap, one guy does all this stuff? That's amazing. Um so I kind of dove into that. And, of course, Nice Nails, Trent Reznor, you know, how he does everything, too. So once I started to see how there's just one person that can do all this stuff, I was like, well, why can't I do that? So I started I, – I was already playing drums, and I picked up a guitar and bass and keyboards. Um, but I would say definitely Circle of Dust was my inspiration to really, like, dive headfirst into music and just go at it on my own. <laughs> um, and for me, same thing. It was kind of like a lot of things, like Nine Inch Nails and – like mid late 90s and early 80s like industrial stuff but probably the band orgy was like the biggest thing because when they came out it's just their sound their look and their kind of goal of just trying to distinguish themselves from other bands you had that connection with them yeah also i i like makeup and i do hair and <laughs> their whole thing was kind of glammy and is that what you do for a day job yep i have a hair salon in davis 
That's awesome. You badass, you. He has the coolest <laughs> draw that all of us. <laughs> he does. He really does. Um, I don't know. Dream show. Uh, you know, I've always come from like a really like heavy rock and roll and like metal background. So always. Uh, if music for me, it's always been about performance. You know, being up on stage. So I really love musicians with that kind of presence. So I'd probably like Rob Zombie. He would be like my idol, you know, to be able to play a show with because he just to me even nowadays he embodies everything that is great about good old-fashioned American rock and roll, you know, and it's it's a little okay. bit glamorous, but it's still pure, it's still at its core, and that's what I love uh, in my drumming, especially it's, I've always been inspired by very energetic, over-the-top things like that, a lot of prog metal and rush and, you know, big, big loud, fast stuff, you know, that's what I've yeah. always been into, and I think that's what I kind of found with a lot of industrial music, because of course, you know, Nine Inch Nails and KMFDM and, you know, Skinny Puppy and it's kind of faster, darker. Yeah. I love dark and I love sexy, but I also love just high energy, you know, stuff like that. Always. So if I'm correct, Rob Zombie is going to be at Aftershock. Are you guys going to be there? Probably. Uh, we're not performing. We, uh, <laughs> right, but I mean but just there in general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for yeah. the show, most definitely. It's such a, it's so crazy with those kind of festivals because they have such a crazy bill that they're throwing them on there with. Right. It's like Five Finger Death Punch and then like Weezer and then like The Offspring, Offspring. and Nothing then Rob more. Zombie. You know, it's it's such a weird uh, listing of bands that it's kind of hard to say. I'm going to make the time to go out there all day, but sometimes True. that one artist comes through, you got to go. Agreed. And like my producer said, you know, if you take a dartboard with all the bands and you throw a random dart, you're going to hit a band that's going to Aftershock. That's <laughs> <laughs> very true. I wish I had more time as an adult and an adult musician to go to all-day weekend festivals. You know, I, I remember the days of old OzFest and when Rockstar Mayhem was coming through and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, eventually you lose a little bit of time for it unless you really set out, you know. Well, and Aftershock has just grown over the past three years. Because mm -hmm. I went the first year they did it, and it was one day. And there was like Stone Temple Pilots, yep. Chevelle, Deftones. Mm -hmm. The next, I think it was last year, was a uh, last next year, year was so many bands, tons of bands. And now this year it's even more because yeah. now there's like four or five stages. Yeah, yeah, there's five. Well, there's four main, and then the Coors Light stage. Oh. See, last year they had two main <laughs> stage and then one smaller stage. Yeah, which was like out in the bastard child. No one wanted. To. <laughs> <laughs> it was like way out there. It was like I don't know. I don't. I don't. Personally, I don't think that the uh, way they set the setup's going to be this year will be much better than last year. Yeah, I, I think, think they have too too much going on. Yeah, personally, I don't think, and they they're so like one right after the other. You're not going to be able to see everything you'd want. So you'd really have to go for like three bands, three or four bands or, that you know you want to catch. Or you get like bits and pieces of each set of that each you set, really yeah. want to see. Like you could see like half of, let's say like Chevelle, and go see, you know, I Set to Kill. Yeah. And see, I think that's a difficult thing for me. Like, it's uh, why I hate trying to go to festivals like that these days. Because I love seeing all kinds of music, but right. I want to sit through the entire thing. Exactly. I don't like my concert-going experience to be like a trip to Disneyland where I spend half my time waiting in line or yeah. getting to my next attraction. Or like your whole day has just been at a gym, just working out, right. running back and <laughs> forth. <laughs> you, know? you know? I remember when I was like 15 and going to the, you know, the Vans Warp Tour, it was two stages. So oh one band would finish and the entire crowd would move to the right, and then yeah. that band would finish and they moved back to the left I would, and that was great but with four or five stages too much <laughs> i would honestly love to go to the vans warp tour because i have a lot of you know friends and stuff that go mm -hmm. because it's they all all of them go to the one down in ventura oh my there's always so many bands that i just really want <laughs> those to see. regional concerts are great and um you know even this last year 
being involved with music, I have to say Snow White Smile is probably my my biggest musical project in the past 10 years. David's much much more active in, in music in Sacramento. So even in the year and a half that I've been with the band, I've met so many musicians. I know several musicians that are actually on the tour now or playing those specific dates. And I think that's what's so awesome about Vans Warped Tour in particular. They really reach out to anybody and everybody to come and be aboard and try out, you know? And yeah. And so you said that in order to go to those all-day con- like festivals, you have to really set out to want to go do it because yes. of like certain bands that you really want to see. Do you ever miss tours and stuff that you seriously want to see because you guys are doing, you know, band stuff? So so far not too much, but the nice thing about getting older <laughs> is you have more expendable income to go to these things. Yeah. My biggest bummer is a lot of stuff I wish I could have gone to was like 80s and mid 90s that things I was too young to see. You know, like one of my favorite bands is Skinny Puppy. And I would have loved to seen Skitty Puppy back in like the late '80s and early the '90s. 80s. Like, ugh, I've been so good, but you know, I was little. December, they're coming to San Francisco. Yeah. Yes. Thankfully. So yeah. I have been seeing Skinny Puppy basically <laughs> any time they've toured since '04. But yeah, anything 15, 20 years ago now. And I think for me, like you know, again, I, I'm inspired by high energy music. So stuff from the '80s, I'm all about. So I have made efforts to see those Keystone bands before they go bye bye. You know, I saw. Uh, Slayer for the first time a few years ago and then Jeff and Slayer died and it's like wow I'm really glad that I saw I think as an adult it was it's important for me to try and see those Keystone bands that I am inspired by before they start to break up like I'm not even a huge fan of Kiss but you kind of want to see Kiss one time before they finally call it quits you know I'm waiting for the day that David Lee Roth gets back together for Van Halen just so I can say I saw him that one time so I know you guys have probably have things to talk about, but I'm going to go Just off because of- you said kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons, rock and roll is dead. Oh, oh I saw yeah. that. What, oh. what the fuck? <clears throat> well, I don't actually think I have any thoughts on that. <laughs> oh. I'm not They're trying to be <laughs> negative, but when you're as dislocated ahead. from reality... I don't think rock and roll is dead. I mean, I think you're, if you're looking in the wrong places, you're not going to find something. Well, his, well, so I think it's his his era is gone. And so that, what I've always kind of said is I think the old rock star, the last like rock star of that generation would be someone like Marilyn Manson. Doing the whole sex, drugs, rock and roll. like yeah. That really was his thing, as yeah. was Kiss, as was Motley Crue, as was tons of these bands. Right. But really since then, all we've seen are this explosion of like straight edge bands bands that don't drink and do drugs and things and average looking teenagers and tight shirts and blue jeans yeah now it's not about these stage not about these characters and these over-the-top like superheroes to look up to they're more down-to-earth people right and i've noticed that a lot of bands have like a lot more mainstream bands have gotten hard harder i guess like they're starting to play more metalcore ish bands on the actual radio Mm -hmm. yeah and I, I just feel like it's starting to change. And I actually also feel like rock is at its highest right now. Like, not not necessarily with content, but, like, with how popular it is. Like, the rock genre is huge. Oh, yeah. I definitely agree. Um, yeah, and, and <clears throat> I don't think a genre like rock will ever, like, die. No. It'll uh, just evolve. It has too much yeah, it's just going to continue to evolve and... And I think that's that's great for any genre. Though it should never stay the same. Um, 
I think you should be able to have an appreciation of where it was at a certain time frame, but then you should also be able to appreciate where it's going and what it can become. Which would be Gene Simmons' problem. Yeah, he <laughs> he yeah. thinks his era is the only era. You should have heard our last <laughs> conversation, which I'm well. Going to I mean, a lot of this, to. a lot of this was preset on the fact that he, you know, when he was the whole Robin Williams thing, and he's like, "Oh, if you're depressed, you should go kill yourself." I think that's where a lot of this yeah. backlash towards him is like, yeah, that's why he's saying rock and roll's dead because he doesn't have the right to the free speech on whatever he wanted to say, fuck the government or whatever righteous thing he would say back in the day. Yeah, it's like now it's like, yeah, well, okay, this is like a serious thing, you know, like precursed on the fact that you said all people with depression should just go kill themselves now because you got backlashed at it you're just saying rock and roll's dead it's like no you're just a dumbass and people don't yeah. feel the <laughs> same way you do the problem is he doesn't have a good pr person yeah so we live in a world where the internet and twitter and all that when he has an idea he doesn't have to run it by anybody he can literally just go on his phone and tweet it and boom it's out there for the world to see and then There's he no falls There's into no that filter. hole and has to dig himself out it's, yeah, that, exactly. it's that part of the gene simmons caricature that doesn't really want to <laughs> die you know what i'm saying I, I think I understand. I can sympathize a little bit when he says maybe rock is dead if there's no great rock icon or great rock personality per se. But I think that the general rock and roll listening audience likes their rock icons to be a little bit more humanized and a little bit more down to earth. Even Rob Zombie, as violent as his movies are and as vulgar as his image may be, he's still a hard ass working dude and he's not up on this pedestal. Like even Marilyn Manson in the 90s was almost. You know, he was almost on a different level. It's almost impossible to connect with him because he is this character so mm -hmm. much on stage and at a show. But 10, 15 years later, you know, that's kind of passed away. People like to be able to connect with their rock stars a little bit more. You know, I think some of the best concert going experiences I've had, I've seen, you know, Dragon Force at the height of their Guitar Hero craze, raking in millions of dollars, but still shooting back four or five beers with them after a show on the street corner till three in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, cool. there's that level of, of connection that people want where <laughs> you can't walk up to Gene Simmons at a Kiss show and be like, hey, what's up, man? Thanks for the great set. You know, he's no, gone. He's, he's a fan. I think. Oh, uh, I was gonna say it's a completely different day and age too. You've got where <clears throat> before things like social networking, where the only way you would know a show's coming through is you would check either your local venues or you were on a mailing list where they would mail you the bands would mail you like flyers like, hey, here's our tour, and if your city was on it, you knew that you could go see that show. And same deal with your communication with with bands where <clears throat> it, it's almost. Well, there was expected. such a disconnection. <gasps> yeah, so, there was like, a they disconnect. Were on a pe they're already on a pedestal because they're these right. big rock stars. But and then because you had you no way to touch them. Exactly. Yeah. They're on this huge thing. But now you can Facebook Rob Zombie and get he a personal he message reply He back. replies pe to people yeah, all the time. It's the new way of yeah. doing fan mail, but immediately yeah. and a lot quicker. Right. And everybody has that expectation now where it's like, oh, that band's great. Oh, yeah, I talk to their, you know, their lead singer and their guitarist all the time. Oh, Everybody yeah. expects that now. You know, the bands, bands that will actually sit down and converse with their fans. And those are the bands that will make people? it nowadays, too. Those yeah. are the ones that, like, have a huge following mm -hmm. on Facebook and stuff because they're the ones actually talking to their fans. Mm -hmm. And yep. that gives them sort of a sense of respect. Like, the, the fans respect them for that because, you know, it's just like, you're doing this amazing stuff, and I love your music, and you're talking to me. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people that do it in the entertainment someone like kevin smith 
Like, mm-hmm. I love Kevin Smith because he... So do I. He knows <laughs> Kevin Smith fan. Can't wait for Tusk. He knows his like audience. Ten days more. You, yeah. just, you just made his day, sir. Okay. Yeah, I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. He he knows his audience, so he talks directly to his audience. And he, he was one of the early people to figure that out when he started the whole podcasting thing. That's like one of the reasons ago. I started doing podcasts. Yeah, like ten years ago. He, he figured it out. And, um, yeah, I just, that's just kind of how it is now. I don't know. Back to real quick about the whole rock and roll is dead. I think that's a dumb statement to make, especially when you take a look at like festivals like Aftershock, which yeah, guarantees yeah. going to be like last year, probably more than this than last year was twenty two thousand on Sunday. Yeah, on yeah. a Sunday, mm-hmm. twenty two thousand people came out. Well, and again, I think it's you know the people at Aftershock they know their audience. They know that they're going to have a huge success by reuniting these mid to late nineties and early two thousands like rock icons. Like and I also coming to Sacramento, coming to Sacramento, yeah. where you know bands like Papa Roach and Cake and these places you know fucking originated, and this is where the shit took off. And this is what everyone's into. I mean, I haven't heard a Chevelle album since like two thousand four, but they put on an amazing show. I'd, I'd be happy they, to go see them. They just had a new album, I think, last year. See, over my head. Take out the gunman was number. One for like two weeks or something. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, but see, these they're doing these, and you see them in general nowadays. These festivals, they go to these areas like Sacramento, where nobody's really going to. Not many people are playing Arc Arena yeah. often anymore. Ace of Spades is getting a lot of play now. Yes, but if Rob Zombie comes to Sacramento, he sells tickets because yeah. everyone loves Rob Zombie. And hey, it's Sacramento. I don't have to drive all the way to SF for it or the Shoreline or the Sleep Train. You know, I didn't think I'd ever have a chance to see Weezer live you know? <laughs> and I grew yeah. up with Weezer so it's just like mind blown <laughs> well, I, I think especially with Sacramento and the opening of Ace of Spades a few years back like I think that really set a milestone as far as live music in Sacramento goes that venue has done great things for the city and I think it's it's pushing a lot I mean last year's Aftershock Festival they put on a free Steel Panther concert yeah it was the pre-party just to promote Steel you know? Panther, though. yeah it was a pre-party and then you showed up at the door and they're like fuck it everyone can come in for free just be yep. sure to buy alcohol like me and my wife just walked in off the street and enjoyed a sweet ass show you yeah know? originally you had and like three Panther, weeks though. earlier we paid 40 bucks to see him down in San Francisco so to have him <laughs> right in our own town and be able to walk to the bar I mean it's it's really bringing Sacramento's music scene I think kind of more to the front front of things you know what i'm saying i totally agree because ace of spades i went to my first like major concert there and they had my favorite band playing at the time and i was so stoked because it's just like this band came to sacramento and without ace of spades i probably wouldn't have seen them there's been been tons of bands i've come to ace of spades (coughs) that I typically would drive to San Francisco. Exactly. exactly. So when I find out, like, oh, wow, I got to drive 10 minutes away to see Gary Newman. Totally. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in, in the Placer County, Sacramento area, and I think growing up here, I think our biggest outreach for music, maybe, David, you kind of had the same experience, was, like, the Christian metal scene out here. <clears throat> like, there wasn't a lot of necessarily music venues that were open to all ages, but there was a ton of churches, Club and Retro, all these churches the would always put on these <clears throat> extreme, like, Christian metal shows. And whether you're into the lyrics or the messages is irrelevant. It's the ambiance of seeing a brutal metal band live there, moshing, having a good time, like... To be under the age of 18 and be able to have that outreach, you know what I'm saying? That's how I really got started, you know? And that's when I was like, okay, now that I'm 18, I can start driving off to all these far-off places or buying tickets, flying across the United States for shows. And, well, in just a few short years later, we got Ace of Spades, and that really kind of set everything off. Well, I think even before that was the boardwalk. Ah, that's true. Yeah, Yeah. the boardwalk was 
that was the place to be. And I remember as a kid seeing shows there, like seeing Power Man 5000 and thinking, this is the best thing in the world. And I can't wait for the opportunity to play at this venue and playing there finally for the first time in a band and thinking like, oh my God, I can die now because I played on the same stage that all <coughs> these other great bands have played on now. The sad and thing is, is that I've only like discovered Power Man 5000 like a month ago. Oh, <laughs> so sad. You have oh. so much catching up to do. Yeah. Yeah. I know. My oh, first I know. band, I did a cover song of... Um, Oh my. oh my god. Um, Worlds Collide? No, no. I, I avoided that one Standing. only because it was that the was the main one. <laughs> um, Nobody's Real. Nobody's Real. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, we did a cover of Nobody's Real, and uh, that was a ton of fun. That was oh, the, yeah. Uh, Spider. Oh, if yeah. there's one guy that can, if there's 10 people in the room or a thousand, oh. he will know how to get you all jumping <laughs> up and down in unison and having a hell of a time. <laughs> no digital photography, please. Yeah, apparently, yeah, the, the yeah, Rob and Spider, yeah, yeah. they can uh, they can get a crowd going. Yeah, love Power Man. Oh, um, distractions everywhere. So <laughs> paparazzi's around here. TMZ. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, TMZ. Is that is that a place that you guys could see yourselves playing? Uh, boardwalk. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Actually, we've had a couple opportunities to be able to play there. Um, just uh, not all the dots connecting. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's definitely on um, my radar as far as a venue to play. Um, I think especially now too, that venue's gotten really involved with the local scene. Yeah. Broken yeah. away from because Ace of Spades is kind of taking yeah. over the bigger acts. Yeah. They exactly. Broke away from booking the big back, big acts. I used to see like a lot of foreign metal acts. You know, these extreme death metal bands that are huge in oh Europe. Yeah. yeah. They play these small ones over here at Boardwalk, but they've actually kind of broken away from. Those that are kind of crazy, to be honest. Like I've listened to some of. That it is. I remember seeing like Sonata yeah. Artica, which is like you know this Finnish power metal, you know, god, and and you see them cram into this bar, and you <laughs> see people like out on the street trying to cram and you know watch these guys just get up there and play 10 minute solos <laughs> yeah because uh boardwalk i remember the last big show that i know of that happened there well there was one that i played at when i was still in claudia's ashes and we opened for otep and droid oh wow and i remember we were first and that place was already <laughs> packed from like front to back that's because there was nowhere else in sacramento other than short of arco for a band of that size to play at. And so, yeah, everybody went to the boardwalk because assembly wasn't around and it was had closed from the Empire and now, it, um, now Ace of Spades. Yeah. yeah, so there was nowhere else to go. Yeah. I surprisingly saw Taproot at the boardwalk, which... I have seen Taproot <laughs> at I've the boardwalk. I've seen Taproot once before, too. I think I saw them actually at, like, Vans Warp Tour several years I didn't back. Think I, would, like, I didn't think I'd be able to see them there, though, because... I didn't think I, I know Boardwalk can get some big bands, but mm. I didn't, you know, Taproot. Yeah, it's Boardwalk's an interesting. Pl- well, nowadays, like uh, I think you said or one of you guys said already that they don't really get the big bands anymore. But yeah. there was a while where there was nowhere else in Sacramento that could facilitate a, you know, a larger scale band, and because yeah. it was either Boardwalk or it was Arco. Yeah, or there, it was, there was a huge yeah. gap between like crowd sizes of venues because I remember going to shows at Boardwalk and not having tickets for it and waiting for people to leave in so order that to get you in. could pay to get in still and like missing the first three or four yeah, bands you know, because was... everybody had left already and then there was more room for them to let people in. I think back in the day when the the regional festival was the big concert that you go to, you know, yeah. you waited for. Slipknot and Mudvayne and Manson and all these heavy bands on one Slipknot, one band, you know, one bill, so you can go check them out. Yeah, and what are what are some of your favorite venues that you've played at, like just in general? 
assembly yeah assembly i would say it was like the biggest and the nicest and that's not to say anything about any particular venue we just have so few shows as a band under our belt but i mean they were they were huge and it was great you know nice elevated stage you get a beautiful backdrop like that was a venue that even as the smallest band on the bill they really make you feel like hey everyone's here to see you you get the same amount of stage lighting as you know we played with orgy and our stage lighting was just as just as good as theirs our sound quality was on the same level and you know sometimes you run into that if you're the opener they're going to turn you way down so you don't sound as good as everybody else because they want the other you know audience members to be into the big band that old trick of the first band a little bit lower second band a little bit higher build up to the main band mm-hmm. yeah well, and then whereas assembly was kind of more like a nice just because we're on stage smoke machine all that stuff we've played um like starlight lounge powerhouse pub and stuff and those were just fun shows because the crowd was so fun mm-hmm. you know the crowd was really getting into the, the music and rocking out and all that and that's that's always a lot of fun because then that we put on a better show because we feed off of that so do you get nervous before a performance like to some extent on a personal level yeah i think you get like a little bit of the jitters no matter how many times you do it you're always you've always got a worst case scenario in the back of your head but i don't know for me usually like your foot hits that stage and then you're just like wait i'm here to play music and it kind of all goes bye-bye yeah for me it's usually just those few minutes before but yeah i'm I'm, now i'm pretty calm first show (laughs) yeah i was pretty nervous (laughs) and so like now my i guess if i had a ritual I usually like to listen on the way to the show or right before the show, go chill in my car and listen to, like, Tiny Tim. <laughs> I love Tiny Tim. And so, oh, that just kind of puts me in the right mindset where it's calming music but kind of dark just because Tiny Tim's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I'm ready to go. How do you feel about the music industry today? Um, I, I think it's way more hands-on. Um, everybody also has this... Uh, demand of immediate satisfaction too where everybody wants a constant stream of content and information flowing at them to where even if you hesitate for a month people forget about who you are because you're not providing constant information um, which uh, is sometimes a struggle where if you don't always have constant information to relay to people you know sometimes you're you're kind of like okay well what what significant event could we post about that people will keep the interest and not have it just be fluff and you want your content to be relevant too um because you don't want to spam you know people, your fans with memes or just random shit where they're <laughs> gonna be like i followed you guys because i liked your music but all your content is just bs and reposts of other things so you know i'm, I'm gonna unfollow you or whatever um yeah I, i'd say it's uh, the music industry is as itself uh, as fans go they want content now and they want it consistently <clears throat> where people used to be willing to hold off for year, year and a half between yeah. albums. They're like, okay, when's the next thing? When's the next thing? When's the next thing? I I totally get that because at being part of that, you know, younger age, I, I'm part of that. And I understand once you spend so much time without putting out new content and new music, the, the you know, you start to get tired of listening to the same. Yeah all of it all the time well also because now you can stream it from anywhere whereas mm-hmm. like when i was in high school and i'd go buy the cd the day it came out i had to wait till i got home to pop in cd player to listen to yeah and so it was <laughs> a thing where i got home i sat down opened the booklet and i got to sit there and listen to the whole album and so even with like records before that it was this thing you did where you sat down and listened to music but now because you can listen to it on your phone and everything it's just kind of constant background so you consume way more 
music and things that way. So true. Um, Speaking of the music part of everything, are you guys actually okay with throwing a track into the podcast? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, which, let's play, well, which track would you want to play? Uh, any of them except for Kyle's uh, noise <laughs> instrumental. Yeah. What's Mar- really Mar- We can play yeah. Joey. Joey's <laughs> yeah. a fast-paced one. I, Whatever. I liked Joey, and I liked Through to the End. Everybody loves Through to the End. the End's a good yeah, one. That's a good oh. one. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, any, that one on YouTube? Or? Uh, yeah, YouTube, uh, no, To See You're Gone, uh, Past Actions, and Close to Me are yeah. the ones that are up. Let's put yeah. Through to the End. Yeah, so yeah you can do Through to the End. Through to the End? Yeah, I think that's a good one. So this is Through to the End. Let's know it's mine. Yeah.
Okay, how was that? <laughs> I hope you guys like that track. <laughs> I loved it. it was a great song. It was a white knuckled thrill ride. <laughs> Those guys are cool. <laughs> My voice is tired now. Oh, no. We played it live, right? <laughs> Didn't we play it just right now? Yeah. Yes, this is a live performance exactly. in the middle of nowhere. In the, in the middle of nowhere, yes. Of nowhere. The ballet studio to be. These are great mics. Clear. They're quality. It's almost like it was the album. Oh yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, you know, streaming and being able to just play it on your phone whenever YouTube, uh, social media, um, going off on a limb. What is your favorite social media site to promote? You know. Well, go what ahead. are your media you like? Where yeah. can people find you? Well, so when we decided, when we were like, okay, we're gonna announce the band right away, we we're like, okay, we gotta try to get out to everything, and then we did the same thing with the album. So when it came to like, well, what are we gonna release the album on? Everything, everything we can. Spotify, through Facebook, Reverb or um, Reverb Nation, yeah, yeah, Reverb Nation. Nation. <laughs> Bandcamp, iTunes, and it's all just search Snow White Smile. Yep, yep. And just to make it as easy as possible for people to consume. So, but, but to get out your information and your announcements, do you use more like Twitter or do you use Facebook? Or I say on like the day to day. Yeah, it's usually Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I, I would say of our favorite probably Facebook. Yeah. You know? Facebook is kind of the primary, but mm-hmm. we trickle all the information out to all of them. Because <laughs> we know we have people that just follow us on Twitter but don't follow us right. elsewhere. We have people that just are on our Instagram but not on our Facebook. So mm-hmm. you're I would say we, we definitely hit all the, the corners of the spectrum. But I think Facebook is where we have the most yeah. uh, community response. I think that's where we get the most involvement yeah. and, you know, people wanting to chat and kind of ask about things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that you guys, are, like, again, converse with your fans and stuff. And you reply to all their as as Questions? best as possible. Yeah. Um, that's that was kind of the bummer. One of the well, one of the many bummers of losing Stephanie was she was our our PR person. Yeah. <laughs> she handled like all that content. She herself has a loyal fan base of her own. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I yeah, saw they, some people. They are diehard like, for. Her. Yeah, <laughs> but I think uh, I think community involvement's always been a, a kind of a big driving goal for us. I've always been really keen on musicians who are you know involved with their community and you see all kinds of things like cool fan art or cool remix albums or, or cool you know really cool. t-shirt designs all that kind of stuff so uh even with our remix album you know we we really put it out there and and just said hey man is anybody interested and we got some great feedback from various artists in sacramento and uh you know i really love to see that people were inspired enough by our music to totally change it and it turned into whatever the hell they wanted to i think that was really cool and yeah, I think Facebook really does as well on that. Uh, that's where we get the best response, best kind of community. Do feedback. you have a? Can you order the CD or so, iTunes or uh, anything? Yeah, so our our debut album is again, it's available anywhere. Um, most digital retailers like iTunes, Amazon, Rhapsody, Napster, anything like that, it's on there. Uh, Spotify. Um, <clears throat> physical the, physical copies are available in Davis at Armadillo uh, Music, <laughs> <laughs> or at shows. Any of our shows too, we have physical copies. We too. also have a PayPal information too. If you're desperate for us to ship you one, you can always contact the band. Yeah. and yeah. 
we can okay. definitely set it up. Um, but then the the remix album, uh, we put that out there. Um, it's on. It's exclusively on the Bandcamp site because we are able to do a pay what you want. So it's a minimum a dollar, and you get five remix tracks. So for just a buck, you get five amazing songs. Yeah. But if you want to pay more and just like help contribute to the band, um, I mean, we don't take we don't pocket any of the money we make. It immediately goes right back right into, back into the, band. the band, either for more merchandise or self sustaining. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's entirely for all you young musicians so. out there. This is the <laughs> definition of success as a musician, <laughs> by the way. If you can pay for your gas and your food to get to the next show and maybe some of your rent, then yeah, then you're, you're doing, you're doing it, good. You're yeah. doing it right. <laughs> so um, you said for future musicians and the young bands out there, do you have any other advice? Um, you know, it'll sound kind of generic, but of course, you know, stick with it. Try everything. Um as a musician, you know, like I said earlier, this is my first major musical project probably in the past 10 years, but I've been playing drums since I was like 14. Um, I started playing in church and learning gospel and country and, and basic rock beats and things like that. So if you're playing an instrument and you just want to become a better musician, learn anything and everything you can within that instrument and be disciplined about it. You know, treat it like a homework assignment, set up a routine, set up a regiment and, and really practice and then continuously move on. If you're a songwriter or a composer and you want to start writing new lyrics stuff like that you know step outside your comfort level get on youtube and start learning about music composition and writing techniques and all that kind of stuff you know knowledge is power man and the more you have the better musician you're gonna be and that's it get your ass out there work your ass off and learn and that's it yeah just just do it that's kind of the big thing like when i was younger and i got i saw orgy on mtv and doing fashionably loud and just thought they were the coolest thing in the world. I was like, okay, well, I want to get a bass guitar. So I asked mom and dad. Mom and dad like, Psh, we're not paying for that. And so I mowed lawns because I was like 13, I think. So I mowed lawns all summer, bought some, it was called a Memphis, the bass. Working hard. From JCPenney's <laughs> or something like that. And, yeah, just went from there and just bass, just did it. And that's know, the best M- advice. MTV and not even playing music videos anymore unless you want to stay up till 3 a.m. Yeah, see, this is <laughs> this is back when MTV played music videos. <laughs> right. Could we would stay up real late to days. you know make a VHS copy of Headbangers Ball just so yeah. you could watch it the next day. <laughs> and so, can yeah, we stop talking about that stuff? I feel old now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I can only just mimic what they've said. Is it's just to uh, you know if you've got something that you're passionate about, and if it's a particular instrument or music style, is to just keep chasing it. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've been in bands and, and working in music for over 10, about 12 years now. And no, uh, yeah, I'd say about 10 years now. And <clears throat> I, I've seen very, I've my, my biggest success is playing to a show to 150 people. And I mean, for me, that was, you know, hitting a, a cornerstone mark of, of goal of something that I'd want to do. But, you know, don't let something like playing a show to two people and it's your mom and dad deter you from keep going because you know you got to start somewhere uh i can still remember playing shows at a hole in the wall bar somewhere where there were five bands on the bill and you're the last band to play because you were the least known because people knew the later it is the less people were there and it's three people including the bartender so you know you're gonna start somewhere you know don't let uh a lack of a following deter you from anything. Just keep at it. I think Hollywood Undead said it the best. Uh, I played a, like thousands of shows, just family and friends. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's know. and that's where you're gonna start too. Is you're gonna start playing shows, and it's gonna be just friends, and it's just gonna be families. It's not until you start obtaining, 
you know, a core fan or somebody that just right. genuinely likes your music, you know, that's where, you know, take that and run with it. Yeah, be happy when you have that that one person, you know, especially nowadays with, you know, technology and, and how quickly it's advanced. You know, when I was a kid, if I wanted to fiddle with, you know, Garage Band or Fruity Loops, you know, I had to steal someone's discs. I had to pirate <laughs> it from the internet, you know. Nowadays, you know, it's so easy for anybody to get Garage Band, Pro Tools, you know, Logic. Get on there. Get on there and start learning how to put a song together, dude. Even Which, if it's four tracks, just get on there and start and even doing if it, it sucks, yeah. because you're gonna write a lot of shitty stuff before you write something good. Uh-huh. Yeah. So <laughs> you keep bringing up all of the topics that I want to talk about. Sure. You, know? you said you have to pirate. I am the music. master of segues. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said pirating music, so you do that, or did, or. You know, no one does out. that. At what do no, you no, no one. Does. Nobody. Really <laughs> no one here is using uh, uncopy of Pro we, Tools. So. Iger does not support <laughs> any pirating of music. No. <clears throat> I. I mean, I don't. I don't really condone it either. I, it's. It's hard to say in this day and age whether you can even pirate music anymore. Pandora, Spotify. I mean, these are just radio stations that YouTube put that, to MP3. Yeah, YouTube to MP3. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't think of a CD in the past five <laughs> years that I absolutely needed to hear and had to go purchase it because I couldn't find it anywhere on the internet at any given point it's it's somewhere to stream for free and a lot of these artists condone that which uh, you know again you had brought up the idea about people wanting into instant gratification and uh, again social media technology advancements that's where we're at you know I've heard of people say this a lot and to some extent it's true they say things like auto-tune and Pro Tools have given people access to the music industry that have absolutely no job or business being there. And to some extent, that's very true. There are a lot oversaturation of people oversaturation of the market. Oversaturation of, of not even talent or genre, but just oversaturation of music to a point where, okay, this is, you know, I can't think of how many vocalists nowadays on the radio sound like Lana Del Rey when I'm like, is this a Lana Del Rey song? I don't know anymore. Well, it's because yeah. Auto Tune has really taken over. T Pain. Kesha. Oh, I know. You know Ke- Kesha, if you can listen to an uncut Kesha track, it's a great example of where Auto Tune really comes in and kind of saves the day. Well, oh, what, he, what he's saying about you know, mentioned like pirating and stuff. Well, before the big bands were there for you to know about, and so you knew like, oh, well, if I buy the new Corn album, it's a safe bet. Whereas now it's so saturated, nobody wants to spend the money because it's such a gamble because there is so much. Mm-hmm. There was a time in my life when I would go drop 30 or 40 bucks of a, of a paycheck at the oh record my. store and pick up. I still you know, do that. I go to Dimple and I'll spend like 20 bucks. I'll mm-hmm. get like two or three records. Regardless See, now that, mo- now that money is just time. Like now I'm going to devote 45 minutes to perusing you know, a new Pandora station or you know, finding a music blog that's talking about this or talking about that. Again, you know, coming from uh, being a fan of like power metal and foreign music, it's really hard to get some of those European brutal metal bands over here in America. So sometimes you're forced to just go find it on the internet and download someone's discography. And another way to look at it, and the way I kind of look at it when it comes to the music I get, a lot of the stuff I like is smaller bands and more independent stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so like a band I really liked that isn't really around anymore, Deadsy. They were, they never got really that big, but I drove all the way to L.A. I bought their $40 shirt. I bought the CD that was priced up there to support them because I want them to make more music. So that's that's what you can look at if you're going to pirate versus buying and all that. And another thing that I've always been a advocate of is the fact that if you're really a fan of the music go out and buy the cd yeah. because yeah. Mm-hmm. my main thing is vote with your wallet 
<laughs> well, you buy the CD, and I mean, the chance of you actually getting to meet that band, then you can have them sign the CD, not your iPod. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to yeah. say, kids. Yeah. And that's I mean, the thing, is a band can't sign an MP3, you know? They, yeah, can't, they can't sign a, they can't a sign Facebook photo. I'm old school yeah. in the fact that, A, I'm old, but B, the fact that I like to have the actual physical copy in case I ever get to Tangible. meet the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. But do you think it's wrong for an underage crowd listener that doesn't have all the cash or you know the money to go on iTunes or to go even to the concerts in order to buy your albums because it's just not there but they still want to be able to have it to listen to it when they want and you know even but the thing is is that I know a lot of people that will download pirate you know but when they do go to the concert they will buy the album they will buy the tv shirt yeah. or the and t- I think the those are typically the people that you do connect with when they when they steal your CD. I mean, yeah, as somebody who creates music and plays in a band that generates money to support that band, of course I want people to give us money for the music because that's awesome. But I think a lot of musicians would agree with me when I say, as long as you're listening to it and you like it and you're going to listen to it a lot, go for it, dude. Yeah. Have the shit. I mean, I don't care if you steal it because it's, it's not really any sweat off my back. You know, you're not taking food off my plate necessarily. And you're going to come to the right. show and have a good time anyways, and that's, you know... Yeah, if you're if you're purely about just making money off the music, there's avenues to go down that you can do that. Yeah, I think you're in the wrong business. <laughs> you're in the wrong too. business. If, if so. you're trying to find a way to make money and you're using music to do it, <clears throat> I think there's other businesses that you yeah. can make yeah, a lot more money, exactly. a lot faster and a lot easier. Yeah. Um, if you if you want to just like find a job that's going to make money, go to college. Okay. Go to stay college. in school, kids. <laughs> stay yeah. in school, but I, I think when you get to the ethics of piracy um i mean sure you, sh- you shouldn't steal the content of somebody else but at the same time if you have no other means of getting a hold of music or, or something like that then i mean there there shouldn't be anything stopping you if it's a law yeah. that says you shouldn't download this well if you've got no other way to get obtain that go ahead and obtain it you <laughs> yeah um but i can it, promise again, you it, nobody in snow white smile is going to come after you yeah. if and it makes you feel good listen to it when it when it comes down <laughs> hey, that's to why it, i made really? sure it's okay we ask for permission to play the track <laughs> totally. yeah, oh yeah you know and and really <laughs> I think copyright laws, they're they're there for a reason, but I think they're more so they need to be enforced on the level of to prevent another artist from stealing another artist's content and not Much to prevent agreed. a fan from obtaining your content. You should always, as an artist, want people to have your content and enjoy it. So the fact that some government's going to come in and say, no, you didn't pay money for that, <laughs> I, I think that's, that that's a little the over band? the top. Yeah, it should be up, exactly. It should be like, up to the band. They- and who owns the songs? That should be their call on that. But yeah, you know, whether you like it or not, music is technically a product at some point in its creation. So yeah. Should, yeah. whoever's selling the product can be at you know their jurisdiction. Yeah, because yeah, I I think the law should stop artist A from stealing artist B's song and saying it's first, their own. Really, that's that's where it should come into play. Not yeah. not to keep some fan from downloading their song. You know, an example is um, what is her name? Sarah, Sarah Bareilles and Katy Perry. They Katy Perry's Roar and Sarah Bareilles' Brave both start out with the same exact intro. <laughs> and it's just like, how did this go through? And they're both huge songs. Well, well you know, I, you see that happen in, in Hollywood pretty often, too. Every yeah. couple of years, these competing studios, they don't communicate with each other. They try and, you know, undo the other one. This happened in, what, 2013 with uh, Olympus Has Fallen and White House Down. They were practically yeah. the same exact well, movie. And they were practically released within, like, a year, or not a year, like, within a month of each other, so I think. So what also happens 
is someone's shopping a script around, and someone reads it, says, nah, you know, we're going to pass on that. There's some good ideas, though. They go steal it, pretty much. Yeah. And that's what happens. And I think that happens in music. I think there's producers that shop around ideas, and they don't work out. Um, We've got a catchy hook, man. Does anybody want to get behind it? No, but I liked one part of that melody, so I'll work it in somewhere else. You Uh, know, like Eminem said in one of his songs, not to reference rap or whatever. It's all good. (laughs) Whatever. Anyways, um, he he talks about how, you know, a person brought him an album. And he said he hated it, you know. And then he, he, he that he, you'd find your songs on his album the next year, you know. It's he was just making fun of that, and I, I think that happens a lot because not enough. There is plenty of chance for communication, but because they're rival or, or you know they're opposing brands, labels, whatever, it it, it just happens. Well, and you mentioned Katy Perry specifically in pop music it happens because there's a lot of you know there's probably a hand to two handfuls of guys who are helping to write a lot of that music yeah right. none and of so, them write their own yeah and music. so a lot of it's right. going to overlap um an, an example would be Katy perry i can't remember what song now Katy perry and kesha both had a song it's like tiktok and california girls oh, and they yeah, kind of yeah. mash up pretty yep. perfectly in the melody the and the everything yep. and that might have been coincidence but maybe not you know, each artist will have, like, each songwriter, basically, will have their own, you know, what is it, M.O., I guess you would say? Like, the way that they their write. Their own style and writing. Yeah. yeah. The way that they write is going to be similar because it's that person. You know, so. Totally. Well, and also there's, you know, in music, there's only so much you can do. I think I've heard like almost every yeah. every melody you can think of has been written at this point. Right. It's just every finding riff, every thing's already been yeah, copied. It's about finding your your voice within that. Yeah. And so like that's what we do with our music. How exactly do you guys write your music? Do you guys just start off with like a riff you guys start off with or do you have like a lyric idea and then you like bring that in or how? Yeah, I'm, as a as, a, as originating as a drummer, a lot of my stuff starts off with uh, pretty much just a, a simple uh, beat and rhythm. Um, I know when I wrote a majority of the songs that are on the debut album, most of them started off with uh, a very uh, small, maybe a, a synth lead, but the, the core foundation of a song, I can usually write it all out in between the drums and the bass, and that will end up being the original structure of a song. Um, and then an example... It's one of the later songs that we wrote, Obsession, just spawned yeah. from just kind of us showing up and then him being like, oh, yeah, I got this drum thing. I'm going to try tweaking it. And then I started playing bass to it, and then it just built into what came Obsession. Mm-hmm. Who writes the lyrics of the band? Um, I wrote, I'd say, about uh, about 90% of the lyrics, uh, and then um, Zach and I kind of con- collaborated on Joey. Um, that song based off of a story that he had known that he was like, hey, I think this is a good message that we could write a song about. Um, and then I'd say Obsession was the track that we all really kind of sat down and came up with lyrics for. Like, literally, we would sit there and listen to the song and listen to a part that I'd already recorded, and we're like, does that sound good? What What about this? What about that? What? Okay, well, let's try Trying to find the this. right tone and what that right. song was about yeah because we knew how it sounded and it was trying to get the lyrics to match the sound of the song yeah so you write so you write the actual like music to it first before you write the lyrics 
Yeah, I, I, I don't fancy myself that great as a, a lyricist. Um, I can sit around and write instrumentals all day, but then being able to uh, come up with something um, lyrically relevant to sing about, I, I have a difficult time doing. Um, I mean, there's there's bands that you know they write songs just to have fun and have a good time and, and everything, but. And I can appreciate that, but I, I don't know. For myself, when I feel like I, I have to write something down, I, I feel like it should be relevant or something worthwhile saying. Uh, as a result of the songs that I have wrote lyrics for, um, I try and be pretty positive with the content that I'll write down. Um, I think perseverance is, is something that a lot of people need to, to have, and that's what a, a lot of the content in our songs are, is about persevering and just keep going and don't let stuff get in your way and, you know, dealing with troublesome people or troublesome situations. Is that the message of your band? Like, you're... I don't know if you could say it's the core message, because uh, I think every <laughs> album's probably going to be different, um, but I'd say this album is definitely a perseverance album. Um, you know, if you want songs that sound heavy and dark, but actually have a pretty good uh, message behind them, I'd say our, our, our debut album definitely hits that. Um, I mean, there's one song I wrote for my girlfriend um, that's on there, which is Stop. a pretty obvious one, <laughs> but all, all the rest of the content is, is very much, um, I'd say it's uplifting for your your own well-being so what are your biggest obstacles that you've overcome considering and like persevering and stuff uh not to try and be deep or anything but i'd say myself is is is, uh an obstacle i'm a little bit of a perfectionist and i have a hard time being able to accept that something is going to sound as good as it is in the state that it's in that I can't progress it further. Well, because it came from you. Y- so yeah. you never you're your, your worst own. critic. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I I feel like I'm that but on a higher level than a lot of other people not, not saying I'm better or anything, right. but I, I feel like I'm even more so. Where everyone, yeah, they're harder on themselves. I think I'm even harder. Well, another thing that I've also noticed is that a lot of artists, musicians, people in, you know, that kind of area do have a lot of you know self issues i guess i could say with for lack of better words yeah and and i don't because when it comes to my own personal self um i could be walking down the street in tattered up shorts a flip-flop and you know a two-week-old beard and i could care less what somebody thinks about the way i look because i know i'm successful in my own self but when it comes to content that i've created or compiled or that i've put out into the world and my name is associated to it I want people to listen to that and and be entertained or enjoy it. And um, sometimes I feel like I could be doing better than 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 what I've released. And that's that's something that you know I I myself fight with and deal with. But whatever, you know, I I, I try not to let that stop me from you know finishing an album because. <laughs> if if it wasn't for you know the rest of this band here, yeah. I probably would still be working on all the songs yeah. that are now on the album and trying to make them even better. Yeah, all these songs <laughs> reach a point where we had to be like, no, we're, okay, it's done. We're done. It's done. Yeah, it's yeah. done. Good. We're done. That's it. It sounds good. Perfect. Cut. Okay. Alone. Move on. Yeah. Well, I think that was one of our our big challenges. You know, starting out as a band is we made it a point when we all the four of us you know when stephanie was with us when we finally sat down and said okay you know this is our band and this is kind of what we want to do these are the songs we finish like we made it a real like serious point where we're like all right we want to 
have a product. We want to have something. Right. We want to be more than just a name and this faceless band in this sea of California faceless bands. We really wanted to make a, a point to have something concrete before we kind of hit the ground. And I think that really worked out well for us so far starting out. But yeah, that was kind of one of our biggest challenges is really getting on the same page about kind of how we wanted everything to sound and where it was all. And I think you can see that in the album. I think the CD kind of takes a lot of different avenues and it tries a lot of different things and you can hear that in the variety of the songs but yeah so do you have like a designated person that keeps the band in check that's mature that you know makes sure things get done like, kind of like a task manager i guess i guess that would be me um <laughs> Yeah, I think David and I are pushing each other and, and the rest of everybody yeah. kind of to stay on track or reach whatever goal that we're doing. Um, as as much as I am the front man, I consider this band to be a you know a, an equal share of every member. Um, but as part as being the front man, I think it should also be my own responsibility to make sure that things are getting done. Um, and that's something that I've I've had to embrace is is delegation. Um, back to being my own worst critic sometimes i feel like well if i don't do it nobody else will um being able to have a band of members where i can say okay yeah go ahead and make that happen and then make it happen i can sit there and go oh that's great they did it that's amazing that's awesome <laughs> i don't i don't have to stress as much yeah i think so, we've all been really on the same page as far as like okay when we're going to set a goal whether it's like getting the set list locked down or getting this song written or getting this logo designed or whatever like right. we're all pushing each other to do it and get it done get it done get it done <laughs> it's just a matter i guess of whether we're all on the same page tackling the same things <laughs> <laughs> so i have some random questions that i just kind of want to ask sure so you make it big, right? Yeah. You're rich. You got everything. And you go on tour, but you're, let's say you're as big as Kiss. Okay. okay. Random hypothetical Metallica. Just do something yeah. bigger. Okay. Yeah, bigger than right. Kiss. Sure. Global phenomenon. Right. <laughs> we can sell out no matter where we play. Okay. You you guys would want bodyguards, right? You want you want someone to protect you from the crazy crowd that's gonna come at you. I think our wives would want us to have bodyguards. <laughs> well, I think we just band. need the wives, and then yeah. we're good. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you could pick a superhero bodyguard, who would you choose? Like at to be with you at all times, oh, each of you. Batman, Deadpool. <laughs> well, it's funny because I was going to say both of those. Batman because he's badass, but Batman. Deadpool because Batman. he would pull all the attention off of me. That's true. See, Batman, you wouldn't even know that there were people coming after you because he's Batman. That's true. It's Batman. You know, I, I don't consider myself the guy that like doesn't want to talk to people about music or talk about talk to an audience member about the music. But right. in a hypothetical, if I'm a global phenomenon and I'm being you know chased by Bombarded. people and women, yeah, I would want somebody to distract them so I could slip away in the background. Oh, Oh, look, I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Or the human torch, so you just burn everybody that yes. gets too close to me. <laughs> no, See, but then if, if we're going to really go down that path, <clears throat> I don't think Batman could care less if they came and, and attacked us. He might go, well, Gotham's in trouble. Right? Uh, that's true. <laughs> I'm Superman would show up here. and say he's got and, bigger uh, fish to fry. Like, yeah, and, <laughs> yes, you know, Clark Kent's just going to be like, well, this will make a great news story. Yeah. Okay. So, better question: Is there any superheroes that would want to be bodyguards for us? 
in you know Catwoman. Maybe movie, Booster like, Gold. You guys don't have jewels. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. We're, we're yeah. No jewelry, so yeah, Catwoman. Catwoman wouldn't stick around. Even though Catwoman's like my character, though. I don't know. Maybe we could just hire like. We'll hire like a mercenary superhero. Yeah. Punisher. Yeah, there you go. There That was Deadpool. And he's, he's got a, a skull on his t-shirt. Yeah, and, yeah. So yeah. let's just vote unanimously as the band that it'll be the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> he does kind of have the skull, and we've got, got skull. Frank Castle is Snow White Smiles Marvel mascot. <laughs> <laughs> and again, these are random questions that are just kind of there to see you guys' opinion on things. Um, you guys would make the Rolling Stone magazine, another hypothetical thing. What would your cover say? Like, what would your caption say about you guys? And what would the theme photo be? Now, would it be like, if it was like a Rolling Stone headline, probably Snow White Smiles. <laughs> Pictures of us smiling. Hey, do you guys remember the 90s? <laughs> <laughs> like Snow White Smile, more like Snow White Frown. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's that's a tough question. Yeah, um, that's a DZ. I can imagine the picture would be us trying to look cooler than we really are. See, yeah. I'd, I'd want to do the Janet Jackson cover. That's what I would want to do. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Man. <laughs> the Janet Jackson one. Well, you have like a wardrobe topless. malfunction? She's like topless like this. And, and someone's, someone's holding her cups. Yeah. So so you would ju- you would be topless, and oh, then yeah. David would be like, A, or would that be you? I'll be topless, and they can both I would just be a hand, hand in the background that reaches out from the side. <laughs> You're just like, A, I'm over here. I'm, I'm still on the cover, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like that forgettable member in NSYNC. Gonna... There's just that hand that reaches up out of the back of the audience. And then everyone's asking, like, where's the other hand? <laughs> when You're... Oh, oh, well. <laughs> Anyways, well. moving on. <laughs> Sorry. Well, not necessarily moving away from that kind of question. Um, if you could pick, let's say, whatever, you know, hypothetical again, what would your, what would your guys' stripper name be? Avril Vagine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn, you had that one logged away. <laughs> That's my stripper slash drag name. Yeah. Pretty sure he recently oh. did the quiz. I, yeah, I think so. So you would go drag? That's too good. Yeah. Yeah. Would you be on RuPaul's Drag Race and everything? Uh, if I shaved, I mean, I'm actually a, a, quite a hairy man, so there would be a lot. You I don't know if the beard is any tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but the hair, I got the hair, so I'm like halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, drag queens are fabulous, actually. They're so fabulous. Guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> We all have those. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh shit. Um, I guess Ginger Rogers, because I'm naturally a redhead. Oh really? Yep. Redheads unite, you know. Yeah. So. So mine's kind of a cheat. It's Diva D, but it's David backwards. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anytime like if I'm doing something and it's like, oh, you're a female character. Well, Diva D, that's who that female Dude, character is. So. You you turn into a diva when you're hungry. Eat a Snickers. <laughs> See, but I'm that way anytime I go out or I'm on stage. Like they yeah. know that when it's come to showtime, don't talk to David. Are you and don't total, get in his way. Are you the total don't touch me? Yes. Don't look yeah. at me. Yes. I'm warming yeah. up. Leave me alone. Yeah. Oh my god, I broke a nail. No, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if I do break a nail. Then it's like the show can't go on. I would because actually like to contest that statement. When I first met David, I was you know, our first show, there was part of me in the back of my brain, I was like, I wonder if this guy's a bit of a prima donna. You know, he's been doing music for a long time in Sacramento. And he always <laughs> me like yeah i get real tense man day of the show watch out 
I don't think I've ever. That first show doesn't count. I though. don't think I've ever had an unpleasant experience with David. As a matter of fact, Aww. when shit goes south on show day, David's the first one to jump into action and make <laughs> it happen. Are you a problem solver? <laughs> I, I am, but that's also kind of the mindset that I'm in when it comes to showtime is I'm constantly in the state of making sure things are successful and plan things B, are accomplished. C, plan that, B. Yeah, as soon as something goes haywire, it's I'm already jumping to the next scenario that needs to happen to prepared. make something happen. Be prepared. Be yeah, prepared. exactly. Yeah, and that's um, one thing. Preparedness has always been lucky. <laughs> that's something we've always tucked away in our toolbox. Yeah. I think I've seen like Skinny Puppy and Ogre like a bajillion times, and every time that man performs, something goes wrong, and they're totally <laughs> yeah. unprepared for it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. no, guys, technical difficulties. <laughs> exactly. We're going to be off air for, like, 30 minutes. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Stay. Don't Stick leave. Stick around. Have Please. some drinks. Yeah, just sit here and listen to silence for 30 minutes. Yeah, see, I'm always we'll concerned about that. So I have, like, three ready-to-go scenarios. <laughs> if, like, sound cuts out on me, I have three things to go through. Like, okay, here does it stop, or here does it stop, or here does it stop. And depending on which one, I know what to plug in and And, you know, after the it. third one, it's just not your day. And then, yeah, that's when I just throw my hands up and go, oops. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I had one job. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. I still have questions. It looked like you were going to Let's say. hear them. No. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Um, is your family musical? Do you, do you, like, any of you, do you guys have family that is? My, my sister played piano, and she can sing really well. She's, she had won, like, competitions and things like that. Wow. She doesn't really sing much anymore. Um, she's a, um like kind of homeopathic massage therapist and, and things like that. Um, my mom sings too. My dad's a, a, by trade, he's a mechanic, but growing up he was an artist and he can paint and draw really well. Um, I'd say I'm probably the only one in my family, though, that has taken their creativity and really tried to run with it. Um, but I wouldn't say, I I don't consider my family to be like this big creative, like, like triumvite of you know, just reeks right. music and art. Um, but I, I would say that uh, my family definitely didn't shy away from creativity and artistic inspiration. So they supported you? Oh, 100%. Um, I'd say uh, they've been to, let's see, well, they came to the first show that we had. Um, and then they've been to numerous other shows that I've had in some other projects. Um, but as... You know, uh, they they always support me. Yeah. What about you two? Um, y- your family supports you more than mine does. <laughs> <laughs> cough <laughs> our shirts. <laughs> cough cough our shirts. Yeah. What? Oh, so my mom's <laughs> fairly creative. So she knows she's retired. She's really gotten into like scrapbooking and just doing anything creative, art wise, that she can. And so yeah, she made shirts that I was not aware of. By the way, I love your guys' shirt. Wait, I wear it all the time. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> um, made by his mom. Yep, yep, my mom made those. Um, she beat us to the punch, man. <laughs> hey, I got compliments on that shirt, so... Awesome. That's sweet. You know, I'll pass it along. Yes. Definitely am. Um, but other than her, I'd say my oldest sister, she's... Uh, I have three sisters, but my oldest one, she um, she's danced. Yeah, she's danced and done everything from, like, tap, jazz, ballet, and all that. And then she worked at Disneyland for about eight years. Wow. So, was yeah. Fancy. She was Wendy and who else? Cinderella. She right? was, was well, she was Alice in the oh. parades mainly. Oh and my. then she was Wendy in the show Fantasmic. Yeah. 
So, yeah, she's kind of the other, art, I guess, artist because she's more of a performer. So if you've been to Disneyland in the past eight years, you've seen You probably saw her. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> He's famous. Uh, yeah, I think I'm the only artistic, I guess, creative type in my family. I come from a pretty, I don't know, uh, I don't know, I guess you want to say like kind of generic, just like labor <laughs> family, you know? Uh, I come from a lot of, like, blue-collar family backgrounds. So everyone just oh, okay. works and lives and enjoys their simple life. But, yeah, I've always been into writing and the performance and storytelling and stuff like that you know i grew up on video games and dungeons and dragons and storytelling and i got really into you know music Uh, it was about the time i was like 14 i got really into performance i did choir all through high school and did some really cool vocal shit and um yeah i mean i've had i guess you know (laughs) solid support from my family but um They've supported me. I guess they necessarily haven't embraced it. I don't have family members that, like, tell their family or friends about us or make T-shirts or anything cool like that. But at the same time, they're not telling me to get a day job or anything like that, <laughs> which I already do. Um, actually, my wife is the the creative one. So in my immediate family, I would say, you know, my wife is very creative when it comes to fashion uh, and beauty and makeup and hair design and all that kind of stuff. That's where she really shines. Yeah, He tapped on something that – it could be the downfall of this band is we're big nerds. We're yeah. huge nerds. Yeah. In fact, There's we get easily distracted. Nerdism, like being nerdy at oh, all. Oh, no, not totally at all. Not, not that it's a bad thing, but it's um, if we're in the middle of a practice and one of us remembers something like, oh, dude, I finally got to play this. Two hours later, and all right, well, I got to go home now, and we played two songs at practice. <laughs> we spent the rest of the time yeah. talking about video games yeah. and other things. So. Yeah. Totally get that one. <laughs> well, it was great hanging out with you guys. So your remix album came out today, September yep. 8th, mm-hmm. and we can get that. You can find it on our Bandcamp page. Um, so it's uh, bandcamp.com, Snow White Smile. You search for that and it'll pull up, or you can find us on Facebook or our main website, snowwhitesmileband.com, and we have links to everything from there too. Can't miss it. It's got a photo of our very lovely guitar player, <laughs> Stephanie, on the cover. Yes. Yep. Our f- former guitar player, Stephanie, yes. Yeah. Tribute. Tribute. Yeah. Tribute. Tribute. She's forever immortalized now, not only in audio <laughs> but visual, yep. in Snow White Smile. Yep. So. Once again, we've been chilling with Snow White Smile on and Hydra. Would you guys like to go out on a track? Sure. That'd yeah. be fine. Yeah. Uh, which one were you guys talking about earlier? Joey or something maybe? Or which one do you guys want to do? Um, we could do one from the remix if you want to play one of the remix Let's tracks. Do the Joey remix. Do the, the Joey, Joey remix? remix? From uh, Razorwire? Yeah, we can do that yeah. one. So yeah, uh, okay. Joey remixed by Razorwire Halo. Awesome. Thanks to you guys and Razorwire for such a killer Specifically remix. Specifically Tak. Tak Kaitara from Razorwire Halo. And this is once again DJ Ivy. DJ Secor and Snow White Smile. Thank you. Thanks for having us. See ya.